I'm excited today. We are continuing our teaching theme called Red, White, and Who. And uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, I want you to get over to the book of Ephesians. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. I do want to remind you, those of you that have never been to our Hills intro, this is what some churches will call their new members class or their growth track or the beginning of discipleship. If you've never been to this, then it's very convenient because we're having it today at 11 o'clock. So you can hang right here, have some church, hear some word, give your heart to the Lord, get rededicated, meet somebody you want to meet, and you can take care of all that right here, okay? And then uh, at the end, you can go back, go to our information bar and say, hey, I want to be a part of Hill's intro. They got, going to have fresh coffee back there, got some fresh uh, pastries and stuff, so it'll be fun. We want to get to know you, so head right back there afterwards. Even if you're not registered, we've got room for you. Our world is in turmoil, wouldn't you say that? Would you agree with that today? Our world is in turmoil, not just here in America. I mean, but in America, there is so much tension right now politically, racially, uh, even in religion. It's just there's a lot of tension right now. You feel pulled. Um, And we're finding that in our country that more people are coming to the middle, and it's because they're scared of the other sides. They don't know. And so what this does is that puts more tension on people, trying to figure out who they are, what they're supposed to do. And we just felt like as we're nearing a very pivotal time in our country, uh, the election's coming up, that we wanted to take a little time and do a series called Red, White, and Who, where we don't really talk about who we are as a country. We don't really talk about who we are as individuals, because I think that's kind of the go-to Oh, I just want to know who I am. I got to figure out what my destiny is, what my gift is, you know, what my passion is. And what we learned two weeks ago is that Jesus never dealt with our passions. He dealt with his passions. He talked about what he wanted us to do, and what he wanted us to do was his work. And so what we want to talk about is who we are as a body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the body of Christ. And just say, and might I say the body of Christ is looking good this morning. Just tell them. Now, if you need to find another neighbor before you say that, that's fine. Go ahead. Our world is in turmoil. Jesus is the answer. As Christians, that would have been the time to say amen, you know. like. So let me rewind. We'll start that one over, okay. Y'all were still feeling bad about telling that person that they were good looking. Then you should have told the other person. All right, we're going to rewind. Here we go. All right. Our world is in turmoil. Jesus is the answer. We are his body. So that makes us part of the answer. I think it's easy for us to kind of separate those two. Jesus is the answer. And yet we are his literal body in the earth today. So... If we can spend a few weeks finding out who we are as the body of Christ, then we're going to know what we can do and what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ. Ephesians has been called the constitution of the church. So I don't know if there's a more fitting book to use in a series called Red, White, and Who than one called the constitution of the church. Last week... We went through Ephesians 1. We're doing uh, some expository teaching uh, 
last week and then this week as well. This week, we're going to take on the endeavor of going through Ephesians 2, all right? Now, listen to me. <clears throat> We've got a lot to cover today, okay? There's a lot to cover. So I need you to get on the edge of your seat. I need you, if you take notes, write fast, okay? Because we're going to go just as quick as we can uh, because I'm really excited about this. Last week, I subtitled the, the message based on Ephesians uh, 1 entitled, We the People, all right? We talked about who we are as the people. This week, I want to subtitle our discussion on Ephesians 2, and we are, all men are created equal. So just write that down. All men are created equal. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> y'all ready? <clears throat> How about the rest of y'all? Y'all just going to take a nap? <laughs> are y'all that didn't say yeah, I'm going to ask y'all, y'all ready? Yeah. Okay, good. Ephesians 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. We could do an entire message on just that portion right there. We'll save that for another time. In my notes, I have these next three words underlined and in bold. All of us. Everybody say, all of us. Used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Now, you have to remember that Paul is a Jew, also a Roman citizen. So he has dual citizenship. He is now speaking to a predominantly Gentile audience that are listening. And so here's what he's saying. This is how y'all used to live. But then he ties it back in. He goes, well, really, we all used to live that way. All men are created equal. I'm going to give you some points. Number one, we are equal because of our sin. Write that down. We are equal because of our sin. He said, all of us used to live that way. And he said, our very nature, we are subject to God's anger just like everyone else. We are equal because of our sin. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've done, or no matter what you haven't done, we are all sinners. And all sin has the same end. I'm going to say that. Now, there is an argument. There are many people that say all sin is the same. There are others that say, how can it be the same? Have you seen what this does and then what that does? I mean, so in that way, they're, they're not the same. But all sin has the same end, and that is death. All sin ends the same way by death. So in other words, if we're all sinners, we're all subject to God's anger, we're all subject to death, that means we were all dead men walking. Matter of fact, the scripture says that word dead is translated corpse. Like dead, D-A-I-D, dead. Look at your neighbor and say, you a zombie. Yeah, tell them. Well, not now. We were all subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Verse 4 says this, but 
God. Wait just a minute. Right there. Hold up. But God. Now, you talk about a series right there. Maybe that is a series that we need to do at some point. How about what if this just became our daily slogan? You know what? I was lost. I was messed up. I was tempted. See what I mean? I don't feel good about myself. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Stop right there. He didn't say he gave you life when you confessed your sins to him. He gave you life when he raised Christ from the dead. You talk about grace and mercy. Life was given to us before we ever knew who he was. If I was a preacher, y'all would get with me on that one. Amen. It is, not, it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. So we are equal because of our sin. But number two, we are equal because of our Savior. All men are created equal. We're born and shapen in sin and iniquity, the Bible says. But thank God for a Savior that doesn't just save the good people. And thank God for a Savior that doesn't just save the really, really bad people. Thank God he goes after the middle of the road, folks, just as well. All of us are equal because of our Savior. While we were dead, he gave us life. And it is because of his grace and his grace alone. We'll dive into this in just a few more verses. Paul talks about this grace thing again. Verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ... And seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Listen to this. He doesn't just save us. He invites us to sit with him. I don't know about you, but that's powerful to me. I mean, like if I saved one of y'all, I kind of want y'all to know it. You know what I mean? How many know what I'm talking about? If you're going to go through all of that and save somebody, you kind of want to keep a little, you know, I, I'm the Savior here. I just want you to know that. And we got the, uh, the folks that have been saved. That's y'all's table over there, like the kids' Thanksgiving table, okay? This is the Savior's table, and this is where I'm going to sit. Not him. He doesn't just save us. He invites us to sit with him. And then he sits down with us. We are equal because of our sin. We are equal because of our Savior. But we're also equal because of where we are seated. All of us have a seat at the table of God. Have you ever gone into one of those situations that you're just awkward because you didn't know where to sit at the table? Raise your hand. I mean, especially when you go with like some folks you don't know and you're like, hey, you kind of walk up to the table and if nobody just, if they don't have place cards out, you know, or someone doesn't take the initiative, it's just that awkward standing around like, where y'all want to sit? Well, <laughs> or then, do I really belong at this table? That's not how it is with him. We all have a seat at the table. Every single one of us. And when you sit down at the table, you're sitting down with the Apostle Paul. And you're sitting down with David. And you're sitting, sitting down with Rachel. Think about and Abraham. That's, think about that. We all have the same seat. 
No matter how crippled you are, how beaten you are, how bruised you are, there is a seat at the table. Remember what we read last week in Ephesians chapter 1 and 19. Paul said this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So because of his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus Christ has been given a seat that is above every other thing. Every principality, every power, every might, every dominion. And guess what? He saved me a seat right beside him. There's a seat saved right beside him. Far above all principalities. I'm telling you, if we know who we are, it tells us where we are. Man, I'm not a good preacher, but that was a good word right there. Listen to me. When you know who you are, it tells you your rightful position with him. Now look, can you live down there and make it to heaven? Yes. But why would you want to? When his salvation didn't just get us out of hell and into heaven. His salvation was so that we could come and be seated with him in heavenly places. And that's not just in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is right now. It is in the morning when you don't feel like getting up. It's on Friday when you're praying that the week will end quickly. There is a place right beside him. He said everything has been put under his feet. He goes on in verse 22. Look at this on the screen. If God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things, where are we? With him, right? For the benefit of the church. He has given Christ Authority over everything, seated him above every power and might and dominion, then seated us right there beside him for our benefit. Now, I've, some of you may have been raised in church where the kind of the mindset was, man, we're going to get to heaven just barely though. You know what I mean? We're just barely going to make it, just tripping through the pearly gates. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, Yeah. And boy, we're gonna be, we got, we're gonna, we're in a battle. We're gonna be bruised and beat up and nicked, and boy, it's gonna be good. You got wound, and yet the Bible says God's looking for a, a bride without a blemish. When I married my wife, I didn't want her to have to fight to get to the wedding that day. I want it to be easy for her. I believe that we have accepted this mindset that it's just got to be hard. You got to fight for it. It can be a fight. But there's a difference in down there fighting in the battle and up here as a general, as someone with authority that is praying over situations. I won't even get into it. I think we got a lot of, thank that section right there. I, got, I, I won't get into this, but I think we got a lot of unemployed angels, a whole bunch of them. They're just like hanging out, like ready to go to war for us, but we're down there doing the battle ourselves. 
And instead, what he would like for us to do is to be seated with him in heavenly places. And just saying, you know what? Come on, Jesus Christ. Let's do this. Let's walk this thing out. Let's make this thing happen. And then just watch the Holy Spirit. Watch God. Watch the the blood. Watch the power of the name of Jesus do the work. Now, if y'all want to keep living a hard way, then that's fine too. He raised us up. Why did he raise us up? For he raised us up. From among the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Why did he raise us up? So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Why did he raise us up, seated with him for our benefit, right? But also because he wants to show us off. You spend a few minutes with me, I'm going to show you a video of my boys. I'm going to tell you right now. There will be a video or a picture of my children if you spend a few minutes with me. Or with Chris. I'm a little faster than she is just because she didn't know how to work her phone. But, but, it, but Why? Because we're proud of them. I'm proud of my boys. They ain't perfect, but I'm proud of them. They're as close to perfect as any kids could be, though. I'm going to tell you right now. They're just, I'm proud of those boys. That is how he feels about us. He feels the same way. He raised us up so that we could be examples of the expanse of his grace and kindness. You ever read the book of Job when Satan's doing all his deal and all of a sudden God says, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? I'm proud of him. Well, you're just proud of him because blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? I'll show you why I'm proud of him. Go. Go do what you want to with him. Go. Just don't, don't do this. There's a certain area you can't go. Sometimes when we walk through things, we think it's because God's mad at us. Mad at us. Many times it's because God's proud of us. Tweet that. That was fairly decent. <laughs> I wouldn't even in my notes. Somebody write that down. I need to use that for the second service. God, why? Because I'm proud of you. I think you can handle it. I think you're incredible. There's something on you. And I want to, I want to get to the end of this and look at Satan and go, <laughs> Have you considered my servant Job? Like he's proud of us. He wants to raise us up. Romans says this, Romans 8 and 19, said all of creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. I'm telling you, God and all of creation cannot wait for there to be a day that that curtain pulls back on that grand stage and he goes, look at my kids. That's what the whole earth is groaning for. God saved you, verse 8. By his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We're saved only by the grace of God. Nothing you can do. Nothing you have ever done. Nothing can pay for it. And I think we believe that most of the time. But sometimes when we're in the middle of the battle, we think that we got to do a little bit more to get God to love us a little bit more. I don't think we mean to take credit for it, but we still do because we're still trying to do enough to get God to like us more. And there's nothing you can do. 
You're his children. You're seated beside him. He loves you. Now, does he want you to act like good children? Absolutely. But that doesn't discredit you from being his child when you make a mistake. Now, if you know the person beside you made a mistake today, just tell him, pat him, say, it's going to be all right. He's right here for you. Check this out, verse 10. Watch this, coming up on the screen. I love this. For we are God's masterpiece. Man, I read that in my office this week, and I just want to go, woohoo! We are God's masterpiece. Remember last week, we found out that we're God's inheritance. Me and you, we're God's inheritance. Well, not only are we God's inheritance, we are God's masterpiece. He is, he looks at us and he goes, that's my best work right there. I know you look at the stars and you wish you could travel to all the different planets and you wish you could travel all over the world and see the seven wonders of the world. But baby, I want you to look in the mirror and every single morning you're going to see my masterpiece, our God's poem. That he writes from his heart that comes out of him. He can't help but write about us. He can't help to tell people about us because he's proud of us. He wants to show us off because we are his masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Verse 10, Rylan, will you bring that up for me? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. I'm going to give you a little rhyme. You may want to write it down. He creates us new so we can do what he created us to do. He creates us new. Look, God doesn't do remodels. He doesn't do remodels. My dad uh, has done construction, and dad will always tell you, people, you'd rather do new construction than a remodel. Because in a remodel, you're dealing with somebody else's mess. And you tear into a wall, and you go, why did they put plumbing right there? Or why didn't they attach that beam to that beam? My goodness, that's why God doesn't do remodels. God only does new construction. He starts fresh. I used to do a a teaching when we travel called the doctrine of the duct tape. And how we just try to fix ourselves up and tape things together and make it all work. God doesn't do that. He said, I want to make you brand new. I want to make you, give you a new heart. I want to make you a new vessel. Everybody say new. new. He creates us new or he recreates us new. And that's why we're also created equal because he starts the same with everybody. No matter who you are or what you've done, when you come to Jesus, he starts all over. And don't you love the scripture says he makes his mercies new every day? So it's not just a one-time thing, David, that when you gave your heart to the Lord that he made you new. But he also made you new again this morning. And he's going to make you new again tomorrow. As long as we just keep going back to him, he just keeps making us new. Man, a fresh start every single day? Who does that? Our God does that. That's who does that. Verse 11. Y'all good? Don't forget 
remember who Paul is preaching here to the Gentiles. He said, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. You talk about racial and religious prejudice. I mean, all in one sentence. Paul just, just throws it all out there. You were nobodies. We didn't even regard you as people. And you definitely didn't have any rights in our synagogue and in our church. Talk about where we are as a country right now. Where we are as a world. Every war that you see going on, almost every one of them comes down to that. Race or religion. And many times both at the same time. I want to deal with that today. He said, you were... You were called this by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. First of all, he said you were outsiders. Anybody ever felt like an outsider? Apart from God. And then he said you were excluded from citizenship. Anybody ever felt excluded? You don't have the same rights. You don't have the same privileges. You don't have the same protection. You don't have the same freedom. You were excluded. Then he said you were ignorant. You didn't know God's covenant promises for your life. Anybody ever felt ignorant? And then he said you lived without God and without hope. Well, first of all, living without God and without hope, that ain't living at all. If you don't have hope, if you don't have God, that, that is not living at all. And then he goes into verse 13. But now. There we are again. But God. But now. You have been united with Christ Jesus. And once you were far away from God. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people. When in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Come on, you talk about a message that our nation needs right now. You talk about a message that our city needs right now. That our world needs right now. We're, create, we're equal because of our sin. We're equal because of our Savior. We're equal because of where we're seated. But we're also equal because of Jesus' sacrifice. This passage right here should be reason enough for us to get along. Let me say that again. This passage right here should be reason enough for us to get along. The church should be teaching the world how it's supposed to be done. Us. Look around this room. Races, religions, backgrounds, denominations, all in one place. Do you know how hard it is to find that anywhere? There's a friend of mine that wrote a book and he would always say that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. But I'm happy to know that it didn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We should be the ones setting the example. Verse 15, he did this 
by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body. Remember what we're talking about here today. The constitution of the church. Who we're supposed to be as the body of Christ. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to continue to do. Instead of building barriers to break them down. I don't know if you read much from the Passion Translation. My wife came across it and it's been a staple in our house. The Passion Translation says this, watch. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. Ephesians 2.16, through his crucifixion, hatred died. Let me say something to you. Listen to me. If you have racism in your heart, then you have not stepped fully into what Jesus Christ has for you. If you have anger in your heart because someone is different than you, you have not fully dissolved yourself into the body of Christ. We all have prejudice, every single one of us. We all have fears. We all have things that we look at, and, but that ain't how God wants it to be. Galatians 3.26, you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You've all been united with Christ in baptism, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promises to Abraham belong to you. Say this with me. There are no... Second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. All of us have been made one. Come on, give me a shouting. Amen. Amen. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, verse 17, who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Number five, we are equal Because of his spirit. The Passion Translation says this. And now because we are united to Christ and to each other. We both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit. To come before the Father. The Holy Spirit within us makes us equal. Acts 10 and 34. Look at this. Lots of scripture today. Y'all good with that? I don't care. Here we go. Acts 10 and 34. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing can be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is wide open. Let me tell you, this week, you ought to be taking these out with you. These red, white, and who, you should be taking those w- with you. You didn't know they were there, just pull them off the seat of your pants right now, okay? Because that's where they are. Just 
take these with you. You need to be telling folks, look, you need to come be with me. We're talking about all of us have a wide open door to the grace of God. Every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Verse 19, come on, we're bringing it to a close. Man, we've covered some ground. Y'all are good listeners. Verse number, what did I say? Thank you. That's when that ADD kicks in. Squirrel. So now, you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Everybody say we're citizens. We're citizens. You know the people that give everything they have to just be a citizen? I want to be a citizen. Because a citizenship means you've got rights, you've got privileges, you've got protection. There's something about being a citizen. But Philippians 3 and 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. We used to sing an old song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Y'all know that one? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Not a citizen of this place. That's why I don't feel like I belong here. There are times I feel out of place. I feel I don't feel. That's because my rights and my privileges and my protection is from heaven. I have a citizenship in heaven. I am a citizen. I I didn't used to be. I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a people. I was lost and lonely. I was dead. I was excluded. I was ignorant. But because of the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ, now 1 Peter says, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession, he, so that you can show forth the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at this. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. That is what the Holy Spirit does. It brings us into the body of Christ and makes us all equal heirs. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. And then he says this, and you're also members of God's family. You want, I, love when, I love when God takes stuff to a whole nother level. You're not just citizens of heaven, which is awesome. You are family with God. You have a seat at the table. You get to put my name on you. You have an inheritance. So yes, we have rights as citizens. But even more, we have rights as family. We have access and authority as sons and daughters of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I love that they sang that again this week, two weeks in a row. And not even requested. I probably should have, though. No longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Verse 20, together we are his house. Man, you, you, 
do you see all the nuggets and the just jewels that are in Ephesians? Together, we are his house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So as citizens, we have access to heaven. As family, we have access to his house. But we don't just have access to the house. We are the house. Y'all come on in this house. Well, I am the house. We're already here. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. See, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That means you and I are a part of the same building as all of the apostles. Every single one of them. His spirit makes us equal to them. That means what they did and what they saw and what they experienced and what they believe, we have access to the very same thing. Now, if you don't believe that, why wouldn't you? Well, I just don't know. Look, first of all, it's right there. Why wouldn't you want to believe that, though? Why wouldn't you want that to be a part of your life? Why wouldn't you want to see signs and wonders and God seeing 3,000 people saved in a day? Why wouldn't you want that? Well, I just don't think it's for us. Well, won't you try it out and see? I'm going to read that last scripture in the Passion Translation. Look at this. He said, this means that God is transforming each of you Into the holy of holies. Let's go back. This means God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. The Holy Spirit is in us to transform us to be a holy place. Us. Just point at yourself. Say, me. The unholy, the heathens, the sinners, the excluded, the ignorant. I was not a people, but God. We were sinners, but God. We were outsiders. We were ignorant. We were excluded. We had no hope. We had no life. That is who we are. We are The body of Christ. Let me pray for you today. Father, I just thank you right now for your incredible word. That is not just ink on a paper. But it is living. It is breathing. It is alive. It is alive. It is real. I thank you that I can feel that in this room right now. That as we're beginning to get our identity and who we are, who we are, and what you've called us to do. I thank you for that, Lord. I'm praying right now in this room that people that have felt unholy and excluded and outside could begin to feel drawn by your Holy Spirit into a family, into a body, 
I thank you that we're better together than we are by ourselves.